Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Hey, how you doing, everybody? Jeffrey Wilson. And we're back with another episode of The Conspiracy Farm. Jeffrey Wilson rolling, uh, as always, shotgun. My dude, Pat Militich. UFC Hall of Famer, kicker of asses, man, and seeker of truth. What do we got going on today, champ? We have a very interesting guest, a good old friend of mine, a, a uh, kick-ass attorney, a gentleman that I worked with at the World Alliance of Mixed Martial Arts, Michael Lynch, the genius that he is, along with... Dave Zadie was was involved with World Alliance of Mixed Martial Arts and also Bill Goldberg and a few other people. I had a lot of fun years with this gentleman, and uh, I've got some good stories about him, but we'll save that for now. And Michael, how are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing great, guys, and I really appreciate the invitation. Well, absolutely. I mean, we are kind of some laymen as it comes to, you know, attorneys. You know, we can really crack some heads that relates to, uh, you know, pointing out and, and kind of uh, and, and deciphering a little bit of a little bit of the evil going on in the world. But we're, what we're going to talk about today, there's a little a lot of nuance to it. And that is particularly the uh, the Weinstein case, the Rico case against Weinstein, Disney, the Weinstein Company and several other individuals. And um, I, we really wanted to get some, you know, some expert analysis, some ex you? expert analysis from a lawyer. And you are absolutely no joke, my friend, as you have been kicking some asses of some heavy hitters for some time now. If you don't mind before we get going so everybody knows, you know, you are an expert and you have some veracity to your analysis. Give us a little background on, on you and uh, how you got into law and the particular type of ass kicking law that you do with the pharmaceutical companies. And that's a, that's a great way to begin. I've been a practicing attorney now for uh, almost 21 years. I've admitted in New Jersey, the District of Columbia, California, and my home residence state of Florida. I have about five attorneys that work for me. We have offices in Hermosa Beach and here in Orlando, which is our main office. The primary focus of my office now and my career in total has been taking on some of the largest and most dangerous and most experienced and most aggressive defenders of their conduct, and that's the pharmaceutical industry. I also take on medical devices, which is like hips and knees, but the common denominator is some of the biggest multi-international corporations in the world, Bayer, Johnson & Johnson, Eli Lilly, Pfizer, and I've had quite a lot of success in that. And uh, one of the ways that translates into what I see here with the Weinstein cases is that this is not a case that is going to go away easily or quickly. Um, individuals that have the power and influence of Harvey Weinstein and a lot of the other defendants that are in this complaint are some of the largest multinational, international companies. This is not just a case anymore about Harvey Weinstein. What does that mean for anyone that wants to take on this case, either as a plaintiff or an attorney? They're going to be fighting, you know, tooth and nail to defend this case. These are very wealthy individuals. So my experience, I get it. I've been suing the, the, you know, the largest companies for years now, and I can understand what folks are going to have to take on if they want to represent individuals that were harmed by Harvey. In the end, do I think this is going to be a case where a lot of money is paid out? I certainly think so. But just from reading the complaint itself, you could tell that allegations like this, just by their very nature, are going to have to be fought against vigorously. 
you're not just going to roll over. If this is the type of allegations that are coming at anyone, because Harvey Weinstein really has been accused of some of the most serious offenses an individual could do, both civil and criminal. So uh, my background is, you know, I totally can get what folks are doing here and how tough it's going to be. I certainly think that there's a case here without, without a doubt, though. Well, and, and like you said, it's not even just the individual Harvey Weinstein. You're talking about the Weinstein Company. You're talking about the Disney Company. You're talking about almost the very several fabric. divisions of Disney, Miramax. Yes. Well, they they own the Weinstein Company now, but I mean, like we've talked about before and off air, Pat and I was like, dude, the ramifications of this are absolutely huge. If this actually, you know, convictions are actually um, found and, and sought. And with and Michael, let me know, you know, what your thoughts are on. You know, with all the, you know, there's going to be a lot of testimony given. A lot of people are going to have to, to go through basically the interrogative process and, and uh, discovery and a lot of documentation, a lot of emails, a lot of text messages, a lot of other stuff is probably going to be exposed that's going to make things a lot worse for these individuals on a criminal side possibly. Am I, am I correct? You are correct, and that's a good aspect which we should talk about here is that what I do is civil aspects. I'm a civil litigator. I don't do any criminal work. But in this case, there is a parallel case going on. There is the criminal aspect against Harvey Weinstein, and there's the civil aspect against Harvey Weinstein and all those other entities. In terms of discovery, in terms of privilege, in terms of things lawyers can and cannot do, those two realms are quite different. Harvey Weinstein has no obligation to to say what happened. He can plead the fifth. We all know you have the right to remain silent. However, what you don't have in a civil context is you don't have that right. You have to answer questions. Um, if you remember, I'll use the case with O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson rightfully kept his mouth shut during the criminal process against him. The discovery process, he didn't say a word to anybody. And when he was on trial, he did not testify. However, after he was found not guilty and the threat of criminal prosecution has been lifted, he could no longer plead the fifth. So when they had him on deposition and all that stuff, he had to concoct this wacko story because he couldn't be able to say that he was in jeopardy of some type of criminal conduct. In this case, Harvey does have an active case going on against him for rape, kidnapping, so you're probably not going to hear much, if anything, from Harvey Weinstein. You'll hear from his lawyers only until that criminal case is wrapped up. And that criminal case is, you know, criminal cases do move a lot quicker usually than civil cases. But the criminal case against Harvey Weinstein is going to take probably at least a year, year and a half, two years. Hmm. If I was Harvey's lawyers, I'd want to, I'd want to let have this take as long as possible. Memories lose, people uh, could be influenced, and certainly that's an aspect of this case that. Certainly all putting the screws to people. So I bet you we're not going to hear anything from Harvey Weinstein for at least two or three years till his criminal case is concluded. And a guy might end up in jail and probably certainly, uh, deservedly so. Uh-huh. What will happen with the civil case at that stuff, it'll still move forward. It'll move forward with documentation. It'll move forward with text messages. It'll be moved forward with interviews and depositions of people other than Harvey Weinstein. So it is going to still move. Um, but we will also, like I say, have two parallel tracks, the civil litigation and the criminal litigation going on at the same time. And then let's talk about the difference. You know, this is a this is a RICO class action and the RICO class action being used against the mob and all that sort of stuff, organized crime. Talking, you know, explain how this makes this on a total different level, number one. And two, um, I mean, this 
is this being potentially backed or supported by people at the Department of Justice? Do you think they're helping out with this at all, you know, with with some sort of um, intelligence? I don't know, but, you know. Any federal intervention, if you will, yeah. Well, put it this way, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about this case, is that a class action differs dramatically from an individual case. What this is not is one woman coming forward and saying, I want compensation from Harvey Weinstein because he locked me in a hotel room and he sexually assaulted me and et cetera, so on. Right. This is a class action. It has two plaintiffs who are relatively unknown, but were individuals that had the same conduct perpetuated on them that he has been doing for you know, to some more famous individuals for decades. What they are doing is asking to place themselves in the shoes of everyone else who was assaulted. So we'll have a class action, and we'll have what is going to be known as the class rep. Now, right now, this is just a proposed class. One of the biggest aspects of a class action is whether or not a judge, and usually this is after years, at least, of discovery, certifies that class, that agrees that this class, in fact, does exist, that there is this commonality, that there's all the aspects of a class action that make it being a class action is more effective than many individual suits. In my business, for example, in the pharmaceutical cases, I don't do class action too often. I do what's known as mass torts, which is since everyone is damaged individually, it's hard to put a number that will compensate everyone individually. In a class action, there's a lot more commonality than you have in my cases. And the size of this case, meaning you wouldn't have a class action if there was just two or three people. There's hundreds, potentially thousands of women here. So this is a RICO class action. Now, what is so interesting about that is they're bringing in all these other entities and all these other businesses saying you all worked cooperatively to advance this criminality, to advance this egregious conduct. You don't see that all that often. It's a little bit of a ballsy move, and you don't have to have a reaction, but it certainly adds a sexiness to it, and it also adds a lot more criminality to it. Well, I mean, isn't that the the criteria with RICO, that you're running a criminal enterprise? That's what you're doing. You have a a criminal enterprise under the guise of of a movie studio, Hey, you know what? After you read this complaint, makes total sense. Did you know? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Did you realize? So this one was filed June 1st of this year. There was another one with six ladies filed uh, of December 6th of last year. So there was another RICO class action suit with six women, and then we have this one with three women. Were you aware of the previous one just a few months ago? I was not at all, uh, and that's not that's not unusual. Also, what usually happens in now when you're a lawyer and you represent the class, you can get a lot of money. You, but you get your money not from the individuals. You get it from time in, billing hours, that is then taken from the class settlement to, right. to uh, pay, remunerate, class counsel. The bigger your class is, the better. And a lot of times there are competing complaints for individuals. Many times the judge will look at what firms are better suited, who has the better claims, where is the better venue? And I wanted to talk about that. Is that this is filed in New York City. The Southern District of New York is the hotbed of criminal and civil litigation for these types of cases. Okay. So I certainly think having it filed where it is is exactly the place 
where the plaintiffs want it to be and the defendants do not. So this is also a very well-written complaint. This is why I think uh, many times when you see events happen, not that that's – and I haven't read the first complaint, so I, I don't want to say anything bad about it. I haven't read it, and let's lay that out there. Sure. But many times folks file class actions the day after something happens. The reason is they want to be the first ones to file. They want to convince a judge to make them class counsel vaccine. This is a very well-written complaint. The allegations are extremely thorough. The allegations uh, list some very, very famous people, uh, you know, some, some actors and actresses that everyone knows here were involved in this. But the actresses involved, it's quite amazing. Um, these are well-known names. You know, the, the elite of Hollywood were preyed upon by this individual. And I want to do a quick segue on that. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but this conduct was going on so long. And a lot of people are coming out now about this. But there clearly was a window decades ago right. that this conduct could have been discovered and stopped if someone had come forward then. It appears that a lot of these women were truly worried about their careers. But at the same time, it seems like everyone knew you know, the emperor had no clothes. This guy was a predator. But no one had the the gumption to come out, I guess, until now when his when they can't get hurt by Harvey, which is too bad because I think a lot of these victims wouldn't have been victims if some of these folks had come out a lot earlier. But that well, is a tough decision, and I'm not making any casting any dispersions on any of the plaintiffs. But this was going on for a long time, and it appears that all of Hollywood knew it. And there, and you know, think about it, and not to go off on a tangent here, but you know, how does this affect you know all the child stars out of the Disney? machine that have have gone off the off the deep end as adults i mean and many of them said that they were molested by agents and and other people that were part of that you know that whole machine over there and just the industry in as a whole and it's it does is there some exposure on that side you know to open open up disney and other companies and other movie studios to this exact same thing i mean is this is this just the crack in the door that opens the floodgates? I, I certainly think so. And that's, this is, there is going to be a snowball effect to this. There's two aspects of that. There, this is going to snowball into legitimate cases, and this is also going to snowball into cases which are simply fabricated for money. And the role of the courts, the role of the attorneys and the judges are going to figure out what's the legitimate case and what's not. But... When you read about this, it's impossible to think that this wasn't going on, and to, probably to some lesser extent, with any other number of very high, you know, high, you know uh, powerful people in Hollywood, males in Hollywood. If you notice, there was that cascade snowball effect with the allegations of sexual harassment, that as soon as one actor was accused, there was another and another yeah. and another. I think you're going to see that in these cases, in terms of the conduct here, I, I absolutely don't think that's, that someone is ever going to come to the level of what I've read in that complaint. Um, this guy truly was the Sandusky of the, <laughs> of the sexual predators in Hollywood. That uh, doesn't mean there wasn't legitimate abuse and harassment and probably other criminal conduct perpetuated by other individuals, but 
Harvey Weinstein was the baddest of the bad. You know, he was the Bill Cosby Sandusky of Hollywood. Yeah, that's what. Well, something, something that's in, there. something that's in tandem with this. And you know, we with at the conspiracy farm, we definitely hypothesize and theorize. And the timing of all of this is very suspicious. You have what's going on with Weinstein, and then you have this very prominent actress by the name of Allison Mack who stars in in um, Smallville, who she gets pinched for being a part of this Nexium cult, this sex cult where they're trafficking little girls and things like that. And, and not to go too far like pat says on a tangent you had anthony bourdain commit suicide you know the other day and his girlfriend last may um when accepting an award at the Cannes film festival literally said harvey weinstein went on like a two-minute speech saying harvey weinstein raped me and several other people here in this room you powerful people have engaged in the same behavior and he was going off uh, anthony bourdain and his tweets were going off about you know howard weinstein and how much of a scumbag he was and then he winds up you know quote unquote killing himself and kate spade's uh, husband's Instagram looked like a night of horrors for children, and next thing you know, she's she's stretching her neck. You know, there's some there's some very funky stuff going on. And we, Mike, we said weeks ago that when this stuff started coming out, that bodies would start hitting the floor left and right, and it has begun. Well, you know, there are individuals who have the the ego of Harvey Weinstein that are going to fight this tooth and nail. Then there's going to have other individuals that are just not going to be able to handle their shame, are not going to want to go through the criminal process. Uh, we're going to see them disappear one way or another, I think. Who those individuals are will remain to be seen, but I think the, the, the body count is going to rise. Well, you've got Rose McGowan, who has definitely levied some charges against Howie Weinstein, and she now has been indicted for felony possession of cocaine that she said was planted on her, and she could face up to 20 years in prison, and this just came out today. And we don't, and we don't want to get too far into this, obviously, off on tangents, but right. you know, a lot of actors and actresses have said that Weinstein has used former Israeli Special Forces Mossad to intimidate and even assassinate people who were going to out him and it's not it's not low level stars that are saying this sort of stuff um so you know when you it's pretty simple for Mossad to plant some cocaine in your bag if they want to obviously if they're capable of killing you know high level politicians and everybody else and, and get out of a hotel without being caught and and that's what pat when i read this it really does read like a you know like a michael Critchon thriller or something <laughs> like that that's exactly what's in this complaint. There are multiple law firms, international law firms, that are essentially co-conspirators and defendants in this. There are various references to high-level ex-Mossad um, operations that are working with Weinstein to surveil, to intimidate, to possibly fabricate anything that's going to make these allegations go away. It, it reads, I mean, it reads, sounds silly, it reads like a Hollywood movie. It really does. Um, it really does. It really does. Uh, and it just so happens that this is really what Hollywood is. Uh, going through the complaint a little more, when you see what they allege, they usually they, they make a big point of saving. This is not Harvey Weinstein and Harvey Weinstein alone. This type of conduct, especially for conduct that went on this long, had to be perpetuated yep. with the help of millions and millions of dollars and dozens and dozens of people for decades yeah. to continue this type of conduct. I would not be surprised at some point, and I didn't see it here in the complaint, I would be very surprised if I didn't see some of the hotels in which Harvey Weinstein, he had his favorites where he went, 
will be brought in as defendants at some point. I guarantee you those individuals at those hotels are going to be subject to deposition and scrutiny. But I would not be surprised if someone didn't say, you know, you knew that Suite 501 was the rape room. And you knew it for years. And that's what that's what Anthony Bourdain's girlfriend said in her speech and even subsequent to that. The Cannes Film Festival was his praying ground. Now, I don't know if there's specific hotels, but that's you're exactly right. I mean, you could easily start getting specific on, you know, actresses coming out saying, you know, I was raped at Cannes, too. I was raped at Cannes, too. So, I mean, you're, no, you're exactly right. And I definitely see more and more kind of entities being brought into this. And, you know, we've been made fun of for, you know, the the people on the alt, you know, the the alternative news, which we are, we consider ourselves, you know, truth seekers in all of this stuff, have been ridiculed for a long time about pointing out, you know, the the massive epidemic in Hollywood and Washington, D.C. with politicians of, you know, preying on women, preying on children. And, you know, it's been proven time and time again with high-level people who are, who are pedophiles and everything else and people making fun of us and saying, you know, they use the whole Pizzagate thing. Oh, you're a Pizzagate believer. This is Pizzagate on 10 nuclear bombs, right? Yes. That's the, that's the, this is not an allegation that someone could say, these are a bunch of conspiracy, conspiracy theorists exactly. out there on the far wing of thought that uh, think the Earth is flat and we didn't <laughs> land on the moon or whatever else it is. You hear that these are not, well, <laughs> you know, these are individuals. I mean, just going back to the complaint, they, you know, you've got to remember Harvey Weinstein has been doing this, Miramax has been a power source since uh, The English Patient back in 1993. He's had over 300 Oscar nominations, more than that, for his combined films. You know, this is the man in Hollywood. Right. And it's been going on since 1993, and it's probably been going on earlier, but he has been preying on these women uh, since that time. This is not something that anyone is going to be say didn't happen. The idea right now is how big... How big is it? That's really the only answer right now. How far does this go, and where does it go? Yeah, and I think I think eventually, you know, that there are going to be even more politicians fall. There's, you know, Trump has vowed to bring down the child, child sex trafficking, human sex trafficking, all these types of people. And you know, when you see Robert De Niro stand up on stage at the Tony Awards and say "F Trump" in the entire crowd, except you could see there were people in the crowd with their hands over their mouths that were stunned by what De Niro said, you know, and I'm not canvassing the entire, you know, the entirety of Hollywood, but the vast majority of those people stood up and cheered like little children at a bozo circus. And it's, it's pretty obvious that there's a sick mindset out there. Well, you know, the, the reaction to De Niro, you know, had all the psychosocial development of a two-year-old throwing himself on the floor and throwing a tantrum. Yeah. And uh, they all applauded it, Yeah, it, which was crazy. It's... And this is the most Go ahead. Know, sanctimonious group of individuals. This is Hollywood um, that think that they can do no wrong. And we find out that Hollywood is one of the most scandalous. We always do scandalous, but no one knew that this was going on to this extent. Except, I'm going to tell you, I think Hollywood knew it was going on all the yes, time. Absolutely. Right. Without and, um, a doubt. You know, to... So now, right now, I think it would be a great time for Hollywood to step back and say, folks, we got to stop pointing the finger other places. we got to look to ourselves. we got to look to our own culture. 
we got to look to what we did to perpetuate this, and maybe we could just shut our mouths for a little while and get back to making movies. I don't think That's I don't. I, think I, I just don't think they're capable of it because in real life they're coddled. You know, I mean, I can't even think of the level of of being coddled that they are, and then. When they're working, they're playing other people. It's fictitious. Their whole life is fictitious outside of that. So they're so mentally, and I, we can cuss on our podcast, they're so mentally fucked, Mike, that I don't think they're they're capable of absorbing even what you just said and stepping back and saying, whoa, let's put the brakes on. It's way too late for that. Well, and like you said, not to, not to interrupt, but I mean, they're so career-minded like you said this has been going on for a long time we've heard of the quote-unquote casting couch with this whole thing goes way beyond for such a very long time so you have people who are just now i wouldn't even say johnny come lately's but they almost whatever have the courage because everyone else is coming out but they've had deck they've had decades as their career has advanced with the knowledge of this stuff but they chose to say nothing about it because and their to, career was more important and to encapsulize all of it it is what everyone has gone through that's been raped and looked out for their own career and put up with it and hushed up because they wanted their career to move forward and all this other sort of stuff and Weinstein and all these other predators doing this, it is a massive amount of people who literally have sold their soul to the devil. They've, they've sold their soul to the devil and care about nothing except their, their careers, their fame, and their fortune. And the only time now that folks have been coming out about it is when Harvey Weinstein now is not in a position to advance their careers. So I, I and I don't want to sound like this person, but there is an idea of bravery doing something, uh, standing up for something. What would I think have been tremendously brave of someone if 20 years ago there had been a press conference yeah. that said Harvey Weinstein this to me? That, that would have been brave. Yeah, that would have been brave. And the thing that broke this all said, loose. You know what? I'm probably going to get screwed, blacklisted, but right. I was raped and assaulted. This dude does this to other people, and I want it to stop. I don't want to see other girls in that position. Well, think of what they've done to and, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Corey Feldman was screaming yeah. this for well over a decade. A, that would have been a selfless act upon someone to really put their career in jeopardy but expose someone. What everyone did is, just, it, it seems, just put their careers ahead of a lot of things. And a lot of this, there is some of the conduct, some of the conduct that we have here is also repetitive in its nature. You know, uh, there's not a lot of things where there, there are allegations that there was one time in a hotel room. There was other, other of these individuals, not the named plaintiffs, mind you, but some of the factual uh, narratives in this complaint. Talk about individuals that continued to have frequent contact with with Harvey. Um, and they, they do sometimes change their behavior where they wouldn't go to a hotel room where they yeah. would do this. They knew this was a bad dude. They yeah. this is what he does. Yeah. They still appeared in his movies. They still went to auditions. They still had the exactly. managers agents interact with him. So it's just a, it's an element that may take away from some of the sanctimonious attitude that Hollywood has. But I certainly don't want to downplay the real harm that he did to individuals. Right. There Without no, a doubt. The, you know, I'm not disputing that there wasn't horrible stuff done to, I think, dozens and probably hundreds of women. And we can't ignore that. You know, Hollywood's bad, but Weinstein was the worst. Like I say, he's the Sandusky of the Hollywood Hollywood crew. These women should be compensated, um, and this conduct certainly should come to an end. So, and you're, no, you're not a criminal attorney, you're, you know, you litigate, but um, just off the top of my head, I'm guessing that Weinstein is going to be sentenced to the rest of his life in prison. Would you, I mean, it's a pretty safe bet, wouldn't you say, if, if he's found guilty of just just a fraction of this stuff? 
Yeah, I would think, uh, how old is he now? Is he 63 or he's a little older? I forget. Right. You know, he's certainly certainly facing the prospect or even the likelihood, Pat. I would agree that um, these next few years out on bail is going to be the last days of him as a free man. I think he he kills, frankly, I think he kills himself. There are some issues that you, you should also know with this. There are various statutes. You know, people may or may not know what a statute of limitations is. Statute of limitations, just in layman terms, is the amount of time in which you have to file a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these claims are clearly going to be time barred. Right. Going to be time barred because the women say when it happened 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that they knew it was wrong, that they knew they'd been harassed. Right. If you don't go ahead and do things in a civil context, Within that statute of limitations, if you knew or should have known, your case is not going to work. They're right. going to throw it out. That is There's a very interesting aspect. There's different aspects of proof statute of limitations when it comes to a criminal case. Some cases like murder have no statute of limitations. But in various other jurisdictions, even though this did happen a lot in New York and in California, it happened everywhere. Some of these claims criminally may or may not be time barred. And that's going to be a very individual determination for each action. But... This is, you know, he's going to be facing criminal counts in various states uh, yeah. for the rest of his life. And I think and that, a lot of times after you get a guy behind bars, a lot of those other criminal cases just kind of go away. Um, why are you going to take a guy out of prison and put him on trial again? If he gets enough years, everyone's going to walk away and just concentrate on the civil aspects of this case. Right, and what I'm seeing with this being filed, and we won't keep you much longer, being filed in New York is not long before this was filed, the attorney general of the state of New York, who hated Trump, hated everything Trump stood for, was taken out by allegations himself. And as soon as he was removed, next thing you know, this is being filed in the state of New York. Well, you know, New York, like I say, the, the Southern District of New York for class actions is, and is a great place to have this. Um, I don't know if there was all that much for that. Remember, that also was a... That was a, a state action. This is a federal action here, too. Yeah. But what we have here, the Southern District of New York was a great place to have this filed. It has the most experienced judges, the most experienced attorneys. They know what they're doing right there. And I certainly think if there's going to be a class, it's going to be certified in New York, and it's going to be this one. Um, we'll wait to be seen, but uh, there's, this, is, this case is not going to go away. There's going to be criminal aspects to it. There's going to be civil aspects to it. And we're just going to see where it runs. And you know what's so fascinating? We talked about all the different people involved and the possible ramifications of this. In the in the first suit, you had the New York Knicks owner James Dolan, Milwaukee Bucks owner Mark Lass- Lassery. I mean, the the names and the heavy hitters that are a part of this is just it's just absolutely huge. And I really hope, man, you know, whatever happens, let justice be done, though the heavens falls. This Harvey Harvey Weinstein is kind of the epicenter of this, but as we talked about on the show, and in my personal opinion, a lot of we, tentacles. We have a lot of tentacles. There is a global epidemic of this. This is global. This is not just national or Sandusky. I mean, it's it's all elements of it, but this is happening throughout the world, and I think hopefully this is going to shed some more light on it, man. Michael, I can't thank you so much for your time. I know we could probably keep you for so much longer to kind of go through this, but I know you are on a tight schedule, my friend. Um, any closing words you want to shout out here before we let you or go? pump up your law firm, please. Yes. Well, certainly, folks, I want to thank you for allowing me to come on this. This, this is a lot of fun for, for me to do. It's always so much better when you could do it with friends like you both, and I do appreciate it. My name is Michael Brady Lynch. My law firm is the Michael Brady Lynch Firm. You can find me at MBL Lynch Firm. Dot com on the internet or just look me up Michael Brady Lynch if I can ever help anyone or you guys again for any other topics in, on the law or not off the law 
just please give me a call because this was really enjoyable. You're awesome, Michael. We appreciate your time, sir. Without a shadow of a doubt, ladies and gentlemen, man, can't thank him enough for his time as, and this expertise, this analysis. And as things progress, obviously, you know, we would love to get you back on to, as these things start, you know, the trial uh, begins to unfold. Michael Lynch, man, it has been an absolute pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode of The Conspiracy Farm. Stay tuned. There will always be more. Peace.